0: SOS is the International Morse Code Distress Signal. When your ship or boat, for example, is in trouble, it is wise for you to send an SOS signal. Some say SOS stands for Save Our Souls or Save Our Ship. Is your marriage in trouble? Are you sending out a marital SOS signal? SOS, also known as the Song of Solomon, is God's response. Reflecting upon God's truth in the Song of Solomon is the perfect place on the ultimate road trip through the Bible to refresh and fuel up your marriage. If your marriage is in trouble, read the Song of Solomon today. Even if your marriage is trouble-free, reading God's SOS will strengthen your marriage and prepare you for possible stormy waters ahead in your relationship. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: wants you to believe that marriage is a cultural construct don't buy the lie hello and welcome to something good with dr. Ron Jones lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach Virginia I'm Brian Davis thanks for stopping by well the institution of marriage was created by God himself it was his idea his blueprint and the reason so many marriages are failing these days is because we've replaced his design with one of our own Today, Ron takes us back 3,000 years to a book of the Bible that shows us what healthy, godly marriage looks like. As always, visit SomethingGoodRadio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's SomethingGoodRadio.org. From his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Song of Solomon, The Secrets of a Satisfying Marriage.
0: Well, some people have very strange ideas about marriage. Have you noticed that? And we're living in a time in our culture where strange, strange ideas are emerging about marriage. For instance, I heard a story about a lady who uh, had, had convinced herself that she needed to be married to four different men throughout her lifetime. Uh, fortunately, it was not four men at the same time. That's a whole other discussion. But she felt that four different kinds of men would be uh, good to meet her various needs over time, starting with a banker. She wanted to be married to kind of a Wall Street banker. And then as time went on, she wanted to be married to a movie star. And then as time went on even further to a preacher, I can't imagine why, but um, she did. And then finally, in the latter stages of her life, she wanted to be married to an undertaker. Very strange, very strange. Her friend thought it was very strange and so her friend came up and said, well, what, what's with this? I mean, four men over a lifetime, uh, uh, why, and why are these four, a, a banker, a Hollywood movie star, a, a preacher and an undertaker? And she says, well, that's easy. One for the money, two for the show, uh, three to get ready and four to go. Where, where, where is the drum when you need it? Very, very strange. Strange ideas today about marriage. But from the beginning, and this ought to take us all the way back to our first road trip through the books of the law and to the first road trip we took, the book of Genesis. From the beginning, marriage was God's idea. And his thoughts about marriage, in case you're wondering, have not changed. Anthropologists and others want us to believe that marriage is a cultural construct, that it's a social institution, and thus our ideas about it can and should be fluid. Well, I'm here to say that uh, marriage arises from the Bible's creation story. It's not a cultural construct. And uh, we need to hear what God has to say about marriage. In fact, I'll say it even stronger. You don't mess with marriage. If you've been around Atlantic Shores very long and you've heard me speak on marriage, I say it every time, don't mess with marriage. I married a Texan. I lived in Texas for 20 years. There there are signs along the highways and freeways. It's an anti-littering campaign that says, don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with Texas. There are lots of reasons why you don't mess with Texas, but you don't mess with marriage. It's God's idea. He is very serious about the special union he created between one man, one woman, and one lifetime. And that's the definition, the biblical definition of marriage. Furthermore, the mysterious union called marriage, and marriage is a mystery according to Ephesians chapter 5, that mysterious union called marriage is generally a picture of God's love for His chosen people as we'll find out about the Song of Solomon in the Old Testament, but it is specifically a gospel portrait of Christ's love for his church. Another reason, you don't mess with marriage. You mess with marriage, you're messing with the gospel. And furthermore, uh, this gospel picture that marriage is, is a reminder that your marriage isn't about you. Not primarily. It's not about me and how I feel and whether I'm fulfilled or not. There's something much bigger going on in this marriage thing. Uh, Paul calls it a mystery marriage, this is. A mystery between Christ and his church. There's a gospel thing going on here. Don't mess with that. But now you understand why the devil messes with marriage. He attacks marriage. He he belittles it and diminishes it, and wants us to think about marriage as something that's fluid from one culture to another. No, God God created marriage, and let's not forget that. The Lord God Almighty refers to his chosen people in the Old Testament as Israel my bride. Uh, Twice he does that in the book of Jeremiah. He refers to his New Testament church as the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter five and uh, Revelation chapter 21. If God created marriage, then he can apply the imagery to what he desires. And, And again, the highest and most holy understanding of marriage is this mystery between Christ and the church. We are the bride of Christ as followers of Jesus Christ. Travel with me to the end of the age in Bible prophecy. Uh, to the end of uh, our ultimate road trip through the Bible to the book of Revelation, and you're gonna run into something called the wedding supper of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, A reminder that uh, this this unique event in Bible prophecy at the end of the age is a a reminder of how much God loves us, uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Travel backwards in time and a little bit forward from where we are right now on Route 66, and we come to the book of Hosea, uh, one of the minor prophets who packs a major, major wallop and, and the whole story of Hosea is wrapped in, in wedding uh, imagery and language. Um, the uh, impassioned emotions from God Almighty's heart uh, flow like the mighty Mississippi River and in the book of Hosea, God sounds like a jilted lover uh, expressing his raw affections when his bride Israel engages in spiritual prostitution by chasing after pagan gods. And, and Hosea, uh, the prophet as we will learn, uh, is told by God to marry Gomer. Now that was a challenge uh, in and of itself is to marry a wife named Gomer. I think of Gomer Pyle, surprise, surprise, surprise. Well Hosea was surprised that he, he was to marry Gomer because Gomer became a wayward wife Just like wayward Israel at that time. And the Lord told Hosea, pursue her, go after her, woo her, win her back to you. And it's all an illustration of the Lord's undying commitment to his willful bride. Don't mess with marriage. It's all over uh, the Old Testament. And that brings us to probably the most uh, expansive picture and discussion about marriage and God's love for his chosen people and more than that, a, a practical handbook on marriage. And I'm talking about the Song of Solomon. Solomon's love song. The Bible reveals a treasury, a treasury of marital wisdom in the Song of Solomon. And some of you need to hear it today because your marriage is in trouble. Or uh, you need to hear it because one day you're, you're going to be getting married and you, you need to understand God's perspective on marriage and and how to do this. It shouldn't surprise us that uh, uh, God wrote a special handbook for us on love, marriage, sex, and relationships. Very practical one. And um, uh, he is the most romantic person in the universe and all along the ultimate road trip through the Bible, uh, he pursues a relationship with those whom he created in his image. I often hear people say that God, um, you know, wants to have a relationship with us and Christianity is a relationship, not a religion and that is so true, but I'll, I'll amp it up even more. Christianity is a romance. God is the most romantic being in the universe. He created marriage, and he uses the marriage picture and the marriage relationship to talk about the high and holy commitment that he has and love that he has for his chosen people, starting with Israel, my bride, and then the bride of Christ who is the church. That's why you don't mess with marriage. Now, in the Song of Solomon, honesty is, uh, is, is important here. Honesty is uh, at the core of any successful and satisfying marriage relationship, not to mention any relationship, and and I need to be honest with you up front here, it's true that Solomon did not live up to his high and holy expectations that he talks about in his own love song. We know Solomon, and Solomon built his household ultimately on 700 wives and 300 concubines. Uh, There's no encouragement to do that in the Song of Solomon. He strayed greatly. Um, In fact, Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse 26 asks, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations there was no king like him, and he was beloved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless... Well, you don't want to. nevertheless written over the narrative of your life, do you? Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. Why did God prohibit his people from marrying the foreign nations into the Canaanites and all of that? Uh, back when we were in that part of the, uh, Route 66, we said, you know, if you don't destroy the Canaanites, the Canaanites will destroy you. And this is what happened. They they started intermarrying with these. And Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And in time, they wanted him to build uh, places of worship for him and then invite him along to worship. And his heart strayed into idolatry. And this angered the Lord so much that after Solomon, the kingdom of Israel divided into two. Remember the northern and southern kingdom? It was all because of Solomon's idolatry that began in his... uh, adulterous ways.
1: Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones. Do you need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option at the top of the homepage and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. While you're there, visit the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. Well, like all of us, Solomon made his fair share of mistakes but what he wrote about marriage comes straight from the mouth of God. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Song of Solomon, The Secrets of a Satisfying Marriage.
0: So, just um, a a moment of honesty and truth. Does it negate the truth that we read about in Solomon's letter? No, of course not, but it does remind me of a story I heard about a, a father, just one more. Um, a father who was very uh, committed to modeling for his kids and teaching his young boys what it meant to be a, a good man and a godly man and a great husband and a great father. Uh, he wanted to model it, he wanted to teach it, and did so at every opportunity. So he was a little bit surprised, as you can imagine, when his eldest son came to him and said, Dad, I'm, uh, one day I'm going to have 16 wives. And his dad said, What, what are you talking about, son? I, I've never. I told you you can have 16 wives? Where in the world did you learn that? He says, well, dad, last week at the wedding that we attended, you remember the family wedding? Uh, the preacher said four better and four worse and four richer and four poorer. <laughs> the boy was good in math, but he was bad in, you know, marriage theology. But um... no, Solomon's waywardness doesn't negate the truth we learn in the Song of Solomon. In fact, uh, The Song of Solomon is part of the canon of scripture. It went through the vetting process and was identified as inspired scripture. Paul says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And besides, hopefully you've seen by now that the Bible is full of a lot of imperfect people just like you and me whom God uses to carry out his perfect plans. And so he used a man named Solomon probably in his early years when he was dating the woman of his dreams and vice versa, and he penned his love song. And, and we, we have this, um, uh, this, this Song of Solomon, I'll call it among God's greatest hits, it's a love song. We don't know the tune, but we have the lyrics in eight chapters, and this is good, good stuff for wherever you are in your marriage. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this love song. Again, eight chapters. I'll break it into kind of four uh, movements in the book of Song of Solomon. Chapters one and two focus on attraction and courtship. Attraction and courtship. Again, bachelors and bachelorettes, you're gonna learn how to date from a 3,000-year-old Hebrew document that is more relevant than last week's bachelor or bachelorette episode. In chapters 3 and 4, commitment and intimacy. They get married. They go on a honeymoon. Uh, They're on their wedding night, and we get a front row seat to all of it. Chapters uh, 5 and 6 is conflict and resolution. That's the theme. How practical of God's word to give us a book that that addresses marital conflict. All right? And then in chapters 7 and 8, we finish up as they're... perhaps later in their life, or have a vision for a love that lasts a lifetime. The themes are romance and faithfulness. Song of Solomon starts with a kiss, and it ends with a proclamation that marriage is as strong and love is as strong as death. So let's, uh, let's begin with uh, chapters one and two. And again, I'm gonna have to talk fast, you have to listen fast, take good notes, And we'll talk about some ways that you can dive deeper into the Song of Solomon. But uh, in chapters 1 and 2, Solomon's love song begins with Shulamith speaking first. All right, this is Hebrew poetry and there's some, some back and forth in the conversation. She speaks first and folks, that shouldn't surprise us, women are far more intuitive about relationships than men are. Uh, women are like radar, they can detect when something is good or bad in a relationship. Men, guys, we're like torpedoes. We just shoot and fire and we hope something good happens and usually it doesn't but, you know, so she speaks first, she speaks into the relationship And uh, uh, she says in chapter one in verse two, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She is attracted to Solomon. And she's so attracted to him that she desires that he kiss her. Uh, We could spend some time there, but uh, I'm also intrigued by the fact that she also speaks into the relationship and as she does, she speaks optimistically about their relationship saying his love is, listen to this, more delightful than wine. Every relationship will travel one of two paths. You'll either be like a can of soda pop that fizzles out and goes flat, or you're like wine that everybody knows gets better and better with age. She is optimistic from the beginning. Catherine and I have been talking recently about how amazed we are uh, having conversations with young people on how pessimistic they are about relationships and about marriage and fearful about entering into it. Or maybe they came out of a relationship and they're so scared and so no she is she is looking ahead to her relationship with Solomon that is just starting and she says your love is more delightful than wine. I see nothing but Uh, great days ahead of us, and it's just going to get better and better with time and with age. When When Catherine and I counsel married couples who are in trouble, we always speak optimistically into their marriage. You will never, ever, ever hear us say, okay, it's time to be done. No matter how troubled the marriage is, We always begin by saying we believe in your marriage and we believe the best and most delicious days are ahead, just like fine wine. God has a fine wine marriage in your future if you follow his ways. And those are not empty words when we speak them. But far too often we hear uh, through a couples having a troubled marriage, you know, my therapist told me it's just time to call the divorce attorney. Can I just say it again, you'll never hear that from us. And those are not empty words. That's the kind of optimism that God brings to a marriage. It's his idea, he knows best how to fix it when it's gone into the ditch. Shulamith also expresses her deep insecurities that are rooted in a number of things. You get this just in the early prose and poetry of chapter one. Uh, she, She feels insecure about her appearance even the color of her skin. Ladies, does that uh, ring a bell? Uh, She feels uh, insecure about her absentee father, her abusive brothers. She even fears that Solomon won't be as attentive to her as she needs. And let's face it, he's the king. He's the king of Israel. He may not have time to give to me. And and all of these insecurities uh, bubble up. Guys, when insecurities bubble up in your wife's or your girlfriend's heart, how you handle those insecurities is everything, and we gotta give three cheers and applause to Solomon because when you read chapter one, he responds with tenderness, he responds with sensitivity, he opens his world to her, he compliments her, he tells her how special she is, he even acknowledges the little things she does to make herself pretty. Solomon's getting off to a great start. In chapters one to two, uh, these chapters about attraction and courtship also reveal the true nature of love, and that's a great question, isn't it? What is true love. Well, from God's perspective and through this this poetic uh, picture of this couple that's in love, um, it describes true love as fragrant, as uh, tender, as refreshing, as expressive. Uh, It it, it tells us that true love dreams, true love protects, true love waits. I know I'm moving fast, but you get all this in chapters one and the early part of chapter two. True love is rare. In chapter two, Solomon and Shulamith also go out on a Hebrew date. We get to go out on a date with them. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall, parents or grandparents, you know, with your, your kids on, on a date and kind of peek in a little bit? Well, we get to peek in on one of their dates in the countryside. And guys, I want you to notice there, Solomon takes the initiative to plan the date and to ask her out on a date
1: as every man should. God wants you to have a healthy, satisfying marriage, and you can with God's help. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Song of Solomon, The Secrets of a Satisfying Marriage is part of Ron's series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Look for it under the library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through
0: God's word? Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it, it can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The two-volume set covers the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, and I'd like to send
1: you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, is now available as a two-volume set covering the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. For a gift of $50 or more, request your copy of the set. When you order the print books, you will also get unlimited access to the Route 66 digital library, a $275 value. The digital library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight eBooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible Volumes 1 and 2 Through the Old and New Testaments go to somethinggoodradio.org That's somethinggoodradio.org Such a great addition to any home library That's The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible Request your copy of both volumes today at somethinggoodradio.org Here's Ron with a preview of tomorrow's message. 25%,
0: nearly 25% of the editorial space in the Song of Solomon is about conflict and resolution. Isn't God practical? Isn't God good to give us some instruction on this? And it should remind us that um, that conflict in marriage is inevitable. Don't be surprised by it. Conflict in any area of life is inevitable resolving it though um, is not automatic
1: that's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones message song of Solomon the secrets of a satisfying marriage join us then for something good for Ron and the entire team here at something good radio I'm Brian Davis God bless and thanks for listening